0: Well, what is up, Fuse family? How's everybody feeling tonight across the state, every campus? Let me hear you. Welcome to Fuse. Man, if it's your first time here, welcome. Uh, We're all excited to have you. If it's not your first time here, uh, I wanna introduce myself. My name is David. I'm a pastor here at New Spring. And just so you know, a little bit about me, before I got kind of old, and before I had so many kids, and before I started driving a minivan, I was a little bit cooler, just a little bit cooler than I am right now. And I was a Fuse pastor, actually. I was a Fuse pastor at the Florence campus. Florence, what's up? Shout out, Justin Rhodes. Love you, man. Sam Gibson, love you. Uh, So believe it or not, I've worked with Fuse student ministry since all the way. You ready? You ready? 2004. How many of y'all weren't alive in 2004? Raise your hand. Yeah, there's legit, weren't alive. All right, so since, since then, I've been working with Fuse to some degree. I lived in Spartanburg for a few years as the campus pastor. I'm working on moving back here to Anderson, Anderson family. Uh, we're, Mid-August, we're going to be living here. So New Spring has been my church for a long time, and I'm excited to be sharing the word with you tonight. This series has been fantastic. The series has been called Ask Me a Question. And our heart in this series is to help equip every student that comes to fuse with wisdom, How many of y'all know there's a lot going on in the world? There's a lot of questions we all have, and you need to know that God is not afraid of your question. God has something to say about the things that we have questions about, and we wanted to take some time to address some questions. So, tonight, we're talking about dating and sex. This ought to be fun. Buckle up. Get ready. Uh, So, here's kind of the, the vision, all right? Ready? Here we go. God has wisdom he has wisdom for us when it comes to the way we engage in our our sex life and engage in dating Ephesians 5 15 through 16 this is kind of where this this the heart for the series was birth it says look carefully then how you walk not as why not as unwise but as wise making the best use of the time because the days are evil let me ask you something. Is it, it's not hard to look around and see evil, is it? I mean, it's, it's everywhere. There's, there's violence. There's racism. There's injustice. There's hate. I mean, just log on to, to Instagram and follow a thread for a minute. You're going to see evil and people being, like, I mean, just being hateful towards each other. Evil is everywhere. God knows that. The Word tells us if you, we're going to follow Jesus, what does it say? It says to walk as the wise. And that begs the question, what is wisdom? What is wisdom? Is wisdom just asking old people for advice? And then the advice they give, is that wisdom? That's the way I viewed wisdom for a long time. It's like, okay, I need to find someone that's old and ask them what they think about this, and then I'm going to have wisdom. That's not necessarily how God defines wisdom. The Bible has something to say about what wisdom is. Proverbs Nine ten says this. Are you all ready? Proverbs nine ten. The fear of the Lord. Everybody say the fear of the Lord. Fear all right, we're gonna do it again. Everybody say the fear of the Lord. Fear all right, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Another way to say this is you can't begin to have wisdom if you don't have the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. How many of y'all are afraid of? Spiders, raise your hand. I got out of my car last night. I went to Chick-fil-A. I got a salad for me and my wife. I get out of my car. I walk through a spider web, and I'm doing this thing convinced. I don't care about the spider web. I care about the spider that is inevitably on me somewhere, right? Uh, how many of y'all are like clowns? Don't, don't, like, get off me clown, right? Clowns, afraid of clowns. All right, let me tell y'all a story of my wife, okay? My wife is afraid. This is crazy. Maybe there's something y'all like this. That, like, there's someone always under the bed, and so when she gets out of bed, she doesn't like put her feet right down. She kind of like leaps out because I think she's convinced someone's going to reach out and grab her and yank her under that. I don't know what horror movie she's seen, but like legitimately, she kind of jumps into bed a little bit, right? Anybody, anybody kind of, y- y'all like those Halloween horror places and go to those, 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 I hate those. I don't know what's wrong with people do that. Listen, when I say fear of the Lord, that's not what the fear of the Lord is. What is the fear of the Lord? One of the things you need to recognize is, is the Bible is written in different language than English originally. This, what I just read, was written in Hebrew. And the word fear, there's a little more complexity going on with the word fear here than the way that we look at the word fear. What is the fear of the Lord? Here's the way I'm going to define it. I'm going to put a statement up there in a minute. But before I put that statement up there, I'm, I'm going to kind of unpack it a little bit. The fear of the Lord is seeing God for who he is feeling, seeing the full weight of the holiness of God. You know what that makes you do? It's like, woe is me. God is holy. He is all powerful. He is creator. Woe is me. But then it's it's more than that. It's also recognizing his majesty. So you're part of you is like, woe is me. Another part of you is like, show me your glory, God, because it's amazing and I'm drawn to it and I see your majesty and I want a piece of it. And the other part of it is understanding who he is, that he says he's a father and experiencing his gracious, perfect heavenly father love that he wants to lavish on you it's a full understanding of who God is and when we have that we are very quick it is not difficult to surrender our lives to him it's not hard to submit to him so the here's my working definition of fear of the Lord for this message you ready the fear of the Lord is seeing God for who he truly is and then willfully submitting to his ways seeing God for who he truly is Willfully submitting to his ways. So why am I going down this long track? Well, because the wisdom equals the fear of the Lord. Like, remember, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So like the fear of the, fear of the Lord and wisdom, those are synonymous. What's the fear of the Lord? Well, it's submitting to the ways of God. So what, if we wanna walk as the wise, as Ephesians tells us, if we want wisdom, we have to be submitted to the ways of God. So my aim tonight is to talk about the ways of God when it comes to dating and sex. So if we would, if you would, let's pray, and we're going to jump in. Heavenly Father, thank you for who you are. I pray that tonight you would be exalted, and all of us and every student that's hearing my voice right now would see who you are. And be willing to submit to your ways because your ways are best. Holy Spirit, come and help and quicken this word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, dating. Uh, My first date with my wife, she married me, so it worked out. But we ran into my ex-girlfriend. Like, like, literally, we were going ice skating. How sweet am I? I took her ice skating, I'm, I'm, right? I, I thought through this whole thing. And in line, not like, I didn't just like pass her on this ice skating rink. In line, in front of us, directly in front of us, ex-girlfriend. We had to wait in line for like 10 minutes with this awkward thing happening, go, going on, right? So, you know, dates, dating is a, is a fun and wild adventure. But can I tell you something? The Bible, for looking for wisdom in dating, the Bible doesn't explicitly say anything about dating, at least the way that we think of dating. The way we think of dating is actually pretty new. Most cultures, for most, uh, most of history, it was like arranged marriages and all kinds of stuff. So the way that we date is a little bit different. But can I tell you something? Just because the Bible doesn't explicitly talk about something doesn't mean that you can't garner wisdom from it to make wise decisions. So that's what I want us to look at. All right, you ready? I want to ask you a question. Who created you? We're in church. What's the answer? God, okay, thank you, good job. Who created you? Let's say it loud. Who created you? God. God God created you. A little deeper question. What did he create you for? Why did he create you? What did he create you for? Colossians has something to say to this. Every one of you, I don't have time. Go read Colossians. It's four chapters, and if you really sit in it for a minute, it will wreck you. But Colossians chapter one is talking about Jesus. It says this, all things were created through him. So all things were created through him. So all y'all said, God, yeah, Jesus, yeah, he created me. But listen, and for him. Those three words can transform the way you look at everything in life, including dating. You were created for God. You were created by God for God. To have a relationship with him, to know him, to love him, to experience his love. Let me, let me, let me uh, go a little bit further with this. Because all humanity was made in the image of God and made by God and for God, inside of us is this deep longing for God. Inside of us is this deep yearning. Like we want, listen, this is the way it normally plays out. We don't necessarily know that our yearning is for God. This is, we have a yearning to be loved we have a yearning to belong. We have a yearning to be accepted. We have this deep yearning inside of us, and the way we try to like uh, solve that yearning so often, myself included, is we try to go to other things than God to like feel loved, like friendships like your social media, like the, how, how many of y'all feel awesome sometimes when you post and you feel terrible other times when you post based on how many likes or comments and stuff, right? Right, well, what, what is that? It's this longing in us. We want to belong. We want to know that we're accepted and loved. And the reason that longing is in you is because God is screaming at the top of his lungs. You are accepted and you are loved and you do belong, but it's all with me. And I am the one that can satisfy that yearning inside of you and nothing else can. You know what else we put in there? We put all kinds of stuff. We we try to put career, like, you know, your, your future, seniors, you're about to go to college, your career in there, your success, money, the new phone, all these things we're trying to fill. And all of it, listen to me, all of it's empty, and it will leave you empty because you weren't made for any of it. Listen to me, students, if you don't get anything else tonight, get this, you were made by a loving God for a loving God, to have a loving relationship with him. And you can, listen, you can never date anybody for your entire life, you could never get married and never have sex and still be completely fulfilled in Jesus Christ because you were made for Jesus Christ. So you're like, "Wow, that's great." What does this have to do with dating? I think you can you can kind of put this together. You aren't made to date. I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm going to give you some practical stuff. I'm not going to go into like, this is, this is like when you should start dating. And this is, this is like when you shouldn't date. I'm not going to go into that. I am going to give you a little bit of a framework to look at when you should be okay dating. Okay. or when you should start, I want to start with this statement and then I'm going to put something on the screen. If since we were made by God for God, if you are not pursuing an everyday relationship with God, then you do not need to pursue a relationship with someone else. If you're not pursuing an everyday relationship with God, so what I mean is like beyond just coming to Fuse, beyond just going to church on Sundays, I mean, look, how do you pursue an everyday relationship with God? Getting into his word, engaging in prayer, being in a Fuse group, learning how to engage in the, God, in the word of God, learning how to engage with prayer. It's a journey. You don't start out like being able to pray good. You feel like an idiot and you feel like nothing happened. But over time, it can be the most robust, satisfying thing in your life. But you got to start somewhere. Pray what you got and start now. Every, if you don't have an everyday relationship with Jesus, rooted in the word of God and rooted in prayer, don't pursue a dating relationship. You weren't made for that. Pursue what you were made for first. So three questions for you to ask to filter whether or not you should be dating, or whether or not you should start dating, or whether or not you should be dating the person you're dating. Here we go. Am I pursuing an everyday relationship with Jesus? If the answer to that is yes, then you can move on to the next one. If the answer to that is no, you need to start there. Next question. Will this dating relationship help me love Jesus? Remember, I'm made for Jesus, I'm made for God. Will this dating relationship help me love Jesus? If the answer to that is no, or the dating relationship you're in right now is no, you need to stop right there. If it's yes, you can move to the third one. You ready for this one? Will this dating relationship help them, the other person, love Jesus? If you answer that as yes, and your fuse group leader and your parents say it's okay, go date. If, if the answer to that is no, it will only lead to emptiness. Because you weren't made for that. You were made for God. I got to move. Let's go on. Let's talk about let's talk about. Uh, applying God's wisdom when it comes to sex and sexuality. And I just want to address the fact that this is a complex issue that I cannot even begin to scratch the surface on. But you need to know this Fuse is a safe place for you to sort out submitting your sexuality to God. This is a safe place. You could talk about what you struggle with, you could talk about how you're confu- where you're confused, you could talk about sin that is in you, you could talk about your. You could talk about that here. The church has to be the place where you can sort all these things out and give them to God. God's not afraid of your questions when it comes to sex or your confusion or anything. He's not afraid of your sin when it comes to sex. He, he has laid out a way for us. So I'm going to talk about what it means to submit our sexuality to God and, what, and how God lays out a way to engage in, in sex and, and, a, and, a, and, a, and a design for sex from Scripture, from beginning to end. We're going to see this narrative that goes all the way through God's word. and It starts at the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and he created biological male, biological female. He put them in relationship with him first relationship with each other, marriage, and he said, be, be fruitful and multiply. Have sex and have kids. That's what that means, okay? So, like, so that, that's the, the original design. God created male, female, marriage, and then they got to enjoy the blessing of sex in that design. We see this in Genesis 2, 24 through 25. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. The man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. So that's what Genesis has to say about it. Let's fast forward. What does Jesus have to say about it? After all, he's our Messiah. He's the one who we're following. He's the one who we're saying, we will give our life to Jesus and lay down our life for him. What does Jesus have to say? Matthew 19, four through six. Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh? So they are no longer two, but one. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. Does that sound familiar? Is it not the exact, he's quoting Genesis. He's quoting the beginning. And if you look on into the New Testament, Paul's writing in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter five, he says, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. There's that exact same phrase. The whole narrative, the only prescribed way to engage in any kind of god Honoring sexual activity is between man and wife in the covenant of marriage. God's design for sex is between a man and a woman in lifelong covenant marriage with each other. But I want to address something. Every person that's hearing my voice, including myself, we all have desires that are outside of God's design for sex and sexuality. Every one of us. We all have desires, sexual desires, that are outside of God's design for sex. And that's where it starts to get really complex. We shouldn't be surprised by this because we are born into sin. We are sinners. Sin twists things and screws things up. We're all on the same playing field. No matter what your sexual desires are, maybe you, you... you have a desire for same-sex attraction, or maybe you desire to, to pursue sex with someone you're not married with, or maybe you desire lust and pornography. Whatever those things are, you need to know. We all have desires that are outside of God's design. But following Jesus is about surrendering everything, all of our desires, our sexual desires and every other desire to what? The ways of God. Why? wisdom? begins with the fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord is being willing to submit to the ways of God. So I've been on my own journey here. I've had desires that are outside of God's design for sex. And I indulged those desires for years. I lived it out. I lived a life for years where I was actively engaging in sex, sexual activity outside of God's design. I was looking for love and belonging and fulfillment. And here's what it got me. Shame, regret, pain. I hurt myself and I hurt the people around me. This is the way the enemy works. The enemy promises something good and on the other side he just speaks nothing but shame. Nothing but you. I can't believe you did that. You are so dirty. You are so unworthy. God is so mad at you. But I've got good news for you tonight. fuse. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus and who are called according to his purpose. Jesus Christ has atoned for every bit of sexual sin and every other sin that you've ever engaged with. Jesus Christ is calling you tonight. He loves you. He's got good news for you that he can heal your shame, but only he can heal your shame. You do belong, but you belong to him. You are accepted, but you are accepted by him because the blood of Jesus Christ has covered all of your sin. And when he looks at you, if you've given your life to Jesus and surrendered to him, when he looks at you, he sees a child and he sees a beloved son or a beloved daughter. He sees someone who is redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. He does not see your sin. But sin can still have massive effects in our life if we don't surrender it to him. So I want everyone at every campus to stand to your feet. And I want you to close your eyes and bow your heads. Lord, come. And I'm just going to ask a few questions and then I'm going to pray and hand it off to your campus. And your campus is going to manage this moment. Bow your heads, close your eyes. I want you to think about this and answer these questions. Where are your sexual desires outside of God's design for sex? Would you be willing to surrender that to him? It's like, you need to know, first, you need to know that he can... He wants to help you, and He wants to walk with you. So the way you can do that, just say, God, you know, I have this desire inside of me, and I, and I know that it's, you know, not your way, and I surrender it to you, but I need you to know something, too. You're gonna wake up in the morning, and you're gonna feel the same desire. Surrender is not a one-time thing. It's a daily thing. It's an everyday surrender. It's a process, okay? Here's the next question. Have you been sexually active in a way that is outside of God's design for sex? Are you currently sexually active in a way that's outside of God's design for sex? Y'all heard what I said. God isn't looking down at you ready to give you a, a celestial spanking. He's looking down at you saying, come. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. He's got an easy and light yoke he wants to give you, but you got to give it to him. He's a, he's, he is safe. You can confess to him what's going on. You can confess to your Fuse Group leader what's going on. So in this next time at every campus, no matter what this ministry time looks like at your campus, if you need to talk to someone, find a Fuse Group leader. If you just need to sort this out with God, sort this out with God, but let's not leave here without sorting it out. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for your design. Thank you that you are good and you only have good and mercy in mind for us. And thank you, God, that we can surrender to your ways. And your ways are best. Holy Spirit, would you speak to every single student so that they can walk in the goodness and the mercy that you have for them. Break the chains of shame and regret and guilt and fill every one of these students up with the knowledge of your love. Hold them to you in Jesus' name.